again this evening. Get ready to go into a time of worship this evening. Got a lot of folks that are out today, uh, still battling through. Folks that are still dealing with all this croup and crud and getting all kinds of ailments in body, but we're here and God's with us, and so we're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church, the old gospel ship. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, God, oh, she's and we'll sail it through the air. 
evening. If Brother Carlton would be so kind to open us up with prayer this morning. God bless you today. Amen. Let's go back into worship and sing, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made and will rejoice for he has made me glad. Well, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will
So today we come before you to worship you in the beauty of holiness. We sing light of the world. You step out into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that makes me So we declare today, so here I am. Thank you. 
love you today. We worship you in this place. Lord, we ask that you would let our sweet song of worship be an aroma and a sweet incense to you today. You would inhabit the praises of your people as we come together tonight to uplift and magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Well, let it be a sweet, sweet, sweet sound in your ears tonight. We love you, Lord. Will I love you, Lord? to the Lord today.
Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. The Bible says that our worship is as a sweet aroma unto the nostrils of God. And he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this evening for a few moments. While you're seated, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Let me say while you're turning there to all of our online guests that are streaming online, welcome to the Santee Circle Church of God. We're so glad you're with us online tonight. If you're not able to be in-house but online, we welcome you. If you happen to stream this service later, and it's just fresh to you then on Monday night. Well, we welcome you on Monday night or Tuesday night or whatever night you're watching. We, we welcome you to that as well. Boy, did we not have a time in the time with the Lord this morning. I always love it when God just interrupts church and he says, now I'll take it from here. Doesn't matter how much we put into it, thought process, it's just something different about it when God walks in and he takes over from there. And uh, I am thankful to the Lord for the service this morning. All those watching online as well as in-house, don't forget to always download the Our Church app. Search Santee Circle COG. Or you can find out more information at SanteeCircleCOG.org. Always our services are on Apple and Google podcast sites that you can always listen to us on the go on your mobile devices. You can always have multiple ways to give unto the Lord. Don't forget, next Sunday we will start back with the actual offering. We still will have the wooden boxes if you want to not you know, worry about having to touch anything, but we will be having the opportunities for you to bring your offering to the storehouse to the Lord. But if you're not able to do that, there is the mailing system, the tithe.ly app online, as well as in person. We've already started the day off with our 21 days of fasting and prayer. I told you this morning, God was already fighting, but before we could even get out of church, God was already moving. So even though the enemy was fighting, God was already moving in the house. And so we thank the Lord for that. But there are prayer guides and resources available online at www.santeecirclecog.org or outside in the Welcome Center area. There are uh, prayer guides and scriptures. That being said, don't forget tomorrow night starts our very first of three uh, weeks of Monday night prayer services. Uh, 7 p.m. Unless the Lord moves, we'll be out at 8 o'clock on the dot. If he does move, well, you know what? We're going to wait till God gets done. If you need to leave, go ahead. But we're going to wait for God to tell us it's time to go home. And uh, I believe there was a lot of folks touched in the altars this morning. Everybody from teenagers under the presence and power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives all the way to senior adults at 90 years old walking in this place uh, worshiping God. So I had them from 16 to 90 with God today. So you know what? God is good. He is no respecter of persons. And he'll bless anybody who's willing to let him bless them. And so we thank the Lord for that. But we will have prayer services uh, there won't be a lot of preaching. It'll be more of a couple worship songs, some strategic scripture reading. And then there'll be a time of concert prayer together. And then we'll spend some time corporately spread out praying for the needs of our family. There are a lot of people that have heavy hearts right now. They need God's direction and wisdom. We as a church need God's direction and wisdom. Omicron and Delta, COVID-19 has thrown us curveballs for two years. Now I know that I don't feel like I'm going out on a proverbial limb that's going to break under me, but I think people are just tired of it altogether. I believe they're just ready for that thing to go back from where it came from and leave us alone for a while. But we're learning to have to adapt to the new normal, but I'm telling you that even if that may become part of our new normal, there's a God that sits high above heaven and earth that nothing catches him off guard, nothing catches him by surprise, and no matter what the next variant may come out, God already knows how to handle that one too before he gets here. 
we got to trust him all the way through the process. But I believe him. I believe God's able. So don't forget to mark your calendars. If you can't make it, it's okay. We'll stream it live. 7 p.m. We'll have it live streamed. Uh, you'll be able to be a part of that as well. So if, even if you're at home and you can't come or maybe you're providentially hindered, sign on to or you don't even have to have a Facebook account. You can just look up Santee Circle COG on Facebook. It's a public, uh, public page either there or on YouTube, Santee Circle COG. So Santee Circle COG on Facebook or YouTube at 7 o'clock. It'll go live, and you'll be able to watch what's happening right here. Uh, don't think just because those are online or, or wherever you may be watching. If you watch online and you're providentially hindered or for some reason you can't, don't, don't think God can't come to your living room where you're at either. Don't think that just because we're praying here, we can't pray God in your living room too. And uh, so we want you on your knees praying and singing and worshiping the Lord. I don't care if you got family in the room with you or not. Lift your hands, praise the Lord. If they think you're a little schizophrenic, that's good. That's what we want. We want them to think you're a little odd because this world is not our home. We're just passing through this place trying to get to another location. So please, please make sure you join us. Keep praying for us as we continue our Sunday morning series on spiritual detox, the art and the heart of fasting, the art and heart of fasting, where we are understanding the concept of what fasting is all about. It's not a diet, but it's a decision. It's all about making a decision to the Lord. And so we want you to join with us on that as well. There's a sign-up sheet if you'd like. You don't have to put your name, but if you'd like to check off a day or say you're willing to help out, you can just mark it off to let us know somebody else is fasting during that time with us. Now, don't just stop eating or stop watching TV or stop with your social media or whatever and not pick up the Bible and pray either. That's a diet. We need you to replace the time with spending time with the Lord. So make sure you do that as well. Let's jump in today to the Word of the Lord. If you have Luke chapter 18, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll let you rest on your feet just for a moment. We'll read a couple passages of Scripture and we'll jump right into the message. This is Jesus talking his disciples he and he spoke a parable unto them to this end that men ought to always pray this parable has nothing to do with anything else but Jesus telling them that people should be people of prayer we should still know how to pray church and not faint here's what he said there was in a city a judge which feared not God nor he had any regard for man there was, a, young, there was a, a widow in that city. She came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. She's basically crying out for help. She said, Help me. The enemy's attacking me on every side. I need protection. Anybody ever felt like the enemy's attacked you on every side and you just can't get up for get, except to get kicked back down every time? Sometimes in life, it seems like some people, as soon as they feel like they're making the way, their way up and getting out of that valley, the devil kicks them right back down and they don't ever let him up and he never lets them up. Some of us have been places where we're like crying out like David, Lord, help me. I need help. He said, help me. My enemies are all around me. But the judge for a while wouldn't do anything about it. But afterward, he said into himself or into his heart, though I may not fear God, nor have any regard for man, this woman troubleth me. She will not shut up. She just keeps coming. She is persistent. She's antagonizing. She's annoying. She just won't stop. Nobody look to your spouse and say that to them. This is not about marriage counseling. Don't think that. Don't think I'm talking about your wife or your husband right now. We're just talking about this Bible story. He said, she's troubling me. He said, but you know what? Just to get her to stop, I will avenge her. Just to get her to stop talking. 
lest she continually to come to me, she wearies me. What he said is, I'd rather give her what she asked for so she'll just leave me alone. Just stop what she's doing. And the Lord said to this, hear what the unjust judge said. Now, he calls him unjust, but there's a principle Jesus is teaching. He says this, and shall not God avenge his own elect, meaning his own children? Shall not God protect us? which will cry out to him day and night, though he bear along with them. Meaning, no matter how desperate we are, will not God come? It might seem like we've prayed a long time, but will not God come and do the same thing and help his children? I tell you this, that God will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. What he's saying is, God, if we pray to him like that persistent widow coming day after day and night after night and crying out unto the Lord and saying, God, I need you. I need help for these next 21 days. If we seek the face of the Lord, the Bible said, Jesus said, God will come and avenge our adversary and help us speedily when we need him. Quickly, he will come to us. So tonight I want to preach on this idea, this topic, proper conduit, proper conduit. Heavenly Father, for the next few moments, Help me to preach your word, not because I'm special or in any way, shape, or form important, but I want the name of Jesus Christ to be magnified and glorified in this place. Open eyes, hearts, and ears. Help us to not only be hearers of this word, but doers thereof. And I will forever give you the praise and the glory that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray and ask these things. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord for a few moments. Proper conduit. Now I know that I am probably the most, out of everybody in this room, probably the most construction uh, illiterate person in this building. I am the kind of person when something messes up, I take a hammer and beat it till it stops. I know that doesn't fix it, but it stops the annoyance that it is for me at the moment. Or I'm the type of person, I'll shut off the valve and I'll call Brother Randy or Brother Dennis or somebody and say, okay, the church is flooded, the lights are flickering, and I think I smell smoke. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to go up to McDonald's. Can y'all come by and figure out what's going on at the church? That's me. I remember the first couple weeks, well, first couple months I was here, I did not realize that we lived on the spring of living water out here. That God supplies all of I mean, I know I pray out of our bellies flow rivers of living water. I didn't literally pray for God to give us a spring under the church. But the first couple of months I was here, I came in. I got a phone call. Well, I came in first, and I noticed there was a little bit of water. But I, you know, vacuumed it out, got it out, didn't think too much about it, left. Well, a couple hours later, Brother Randy and Sister Carol came in, and there was water again. And lo and behold, we called the septic people. We thought our septic was back. We called night septic. They come out here, dug up the whole backyard. Said, there ain't nothing hardly in the septic tank. I was like, well, that's weird. We got stuff coming out. So we call them plumbers and this, that, and the other. And we're floating in water. And we're wading in water. And we're baptizing each other in the ba- in the bathroom and having a time. On- only to find out that when it rains in Berkeley County, it doesn't stop. And we live on a spring of living water. And every time a monsoon comes, doesn't matter how much septic space we have, it just flows right on up through the pipes and comes on through the bathroom, through the office, through the back door. We just have a pool in here. We baptize people on Tuesday afternoons when it rains in here. It's just water everywhere. And we know that we have to, we are in the process of addressing those different things. But, but I learned a long time ago that sometimes when, 
Uh, you find people that know things better than you, or they, they are smarter than you. And I, uh, we are so glad to have uh, uh, Brother uh, Henry Kirkland with us here tonight, and, and uh, friends with Brother Dennis Clark. When we were building the church at Ridgeville, where my dad served, uh, he was uh, one of the chairman. He was the chairman of the building committee and kind of overseen the process of all that. And we had different guys helping that did plumbing and did electrical and HVAC and all that kind of stuff. We had different folks, and and literally, pretty much, except for a few odds and ends, pretty much with the Lord's help, built the sanctuary unto the Lord ourselves without much outside assistance coming in. In fact, I remember one day I, I've said shared this story before. And it still rang true. I remember one day we were we had an old we we bulldozered an old house and took out an old sump pump out the house. Went and ate at Duke's Barbecue up the road and ran into a guy that worked for the pit uh, uh, worked for the dirt pit company. And we just got to chit chatting and talking. The pastor got to chit chatting and talking. We needed dirt, and for some reason we had a sump pump we gave away. And all of a sudden we started having truckloads of dirt. I don't know how that correlated. I don't think sump pumps are that expensive, but maybe they are. But we were getting trucks of dirt because when you give to God. God gives back to the church. And and when we were putting all the stuff, we were putting hurricane clips in, and we we're hanging, they're hanging, you know, all these guys are dangling off of, you know, little bungee cords in the rafters and hoping they don't snap and hanging on for dear life and walking them like they're on some kind of like boardwalk. They're just walking like it's nothing. But I remembered when they came time to put the electrical in. You know what they didn't do? They didn't take all the wires and just shove them up somewhere and just let them all be loose and just laying around and, Say, well, pour semen over it and put the floor over it and let's hope it don't burn down. And that's not what they did. In fact, what they did is they put it into a conduit. They put it into a tubing to protect it. They'd lay it in the concrete before the concrete got poured or they would run it up the wall. When it was properly done, run it up the wall so they could trace it out. And if there were a couple wires we didn't need, they'd cap them so that they wouldn't just be floating around out there for some Nice little rodent to come by and think it was hors d'oeuvres for the afternoon. And they put it in proper casing or proper protection to ensure that the power source, the wires, the connectivity of the wires were protected so that when it came time to hook everything up and have the electric company come out and do the inspections and, and us to flip the light switch and it all come up, we wanted all of it to work properly. Well, prayer's the same way. God has the Holy Spirit that he has given us as a powerful tool. The Holy Spirit is our, our electrical source or our power-giving source, our dunamis or dynamite power. But what prayer is, prayer is the conduit to the Holy Spirit. Prayer protects our heart and prayer protects our mind and prayer protects our family so that the Holy Spirit can do what only He can do while prayer encapsulates and encircles around us so the enemy can't come in and destroy what God's trying to build up. It's all about proper conduit. Throughout the life of Jesus Christ, many times throughout Scripture you will find Jesus retreated and pulled himself away for a time of prayer and, and even fasting. Even amongst the busyness, if you will, of ministry and having hundreds throng him and thousands to be fed and, and million, excuse me, hundreds of millions of people trying to get a touch from the Lord and diseases and infirmities and all of the hustle and bustle. Jesus would find time to say, now I'm going to step aside for a moment. I'm going to go up to the mountain and pray. Or I'm going to send the, you over to the other side on a boat and I'll meet you there while I go over there to pray. All throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus found time to segregate himself from the busyness of life so that he and God could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. 
That is the whole purpose of what we are calling the church and people that are a part of our church and even friends with us that are partnering with us over the next 21 days. We know there are ball games. We know there is work and jobs to be done. We know there are taxes to be paid. We know there's a lot of busyness going on. But we need people to say that no matter how busy it gets, I'm going to find some kind of time to take a spiritual time out, stop what I'm doing, get along with God, and say, okay, God, you and I need to have a talk before I go back to that hellhole called earth that I got to deal with on Monday morning. You and I need to talk, God, before we go back out this room. That's what prayer and fasting is all about. He would go and he would find times of prayer. You see, I have learned through friends, family, and even people that I know personally. I've seen many men and women serve God faithfully in a church, in ministry, but backslide on their gift, meaning they were their gift, the thing that made them blessed and highly favored, the gift that the Lord gave them, it also led to their demise. I've seen countless men and women that I have played with over the years, some in previous churches, men that were so gifted in percussion instruments. I mean, professional. You couldn't have even went and went to a professional Christian concert and found a better musician that could play. But over time, backslid sitting on that, that, that throne or that stool. Because when the Spirit of the Lord would move, they were more worried about making sure the rhythm was played than their heart being right with God. Many people sat and I have played with some of the best drummers there are in this side of, of, of the Mason-Dixon line. And I have seen and come to find out that they'd start. Everything was great. They were spirit-filled. They used to speak in tongues sitting on there playing the drums. But over time, they started getting uh, a notoriety. And people heard them play and thought, man, they're pretty good. And started playing at bars on Saturday night before they came to church on Sunday morning. And then they started playing for wedding venues. And then they started playing for all these different things. And before long, their talent that God blessed them with led them into the world. And they backslide sitting on that pew or on that throne. I've seen countless people that have, been, that have told me stories that pastor there have been times that have given up playing the piano or the organ and said, I can't play for a season. And when I'd ask them why, they'd say, Pastor, I'm going to probably end up dying if I'm not careful and going to hell because I feel like I'm in bondage in that place because I, I feel like I can't, I can't get up from the, from the, from the bench or, or, the, or, the, or the seat because i got to play and I don't want to break the order of service. Let me tell you, and I say this with all things considering, now as much as I love to have a meditational music and have all these bands and these instruments playing during the service and then also during the altar call time, but I come to tell anybody online or in-house, don't you let your talent, don't you let your gift, don't you let your instrument don't you let your singing cause you to die and go to hell because you're worried about protecting your talent than ensuring the insurance safety of your heart i would rather there be no music in the piano player to get up and go pray in the altar call than to have music in the piano player die lost there comes a point we cannot allow ourselves to get into the hustle and bustle and busyness of life that we forget to set time aside and say you and i god have to have this right together it's a place of prayer they were more, their talent and the giftedness, their music, their singing, their playing was more important. But I want to tell you there is something more important than our music, our singing, our playing, our preaching, our teaching. The greatest thing a church can be is a house called prayer. The Bible said Jesus went in the day to worship and when he got to the temple or the church he looked around and they were having a Walmart uh, flea market festival. They're out there buying and selling billy goats and throwing around turtle doves and selling all this. It looked like they were at the coastal uh, the Latson fairgrounds selling your Reeboks and gain pods. 
Game Tide Pods for a 10.99, and they're having a field day and having this great. I'm not talking about a chicken dinner to pay the mortgage payment. I'm not talking about a yard sale to bless the youth. I'm talking about just using the church as a, a building to self-gain their own pocketbooks and help themselves. They weren't helping the church. It was out of selfish ambition. And the Bible said there was some kind of righteous indignation that rose up into the Son of the living God. And he walked into that building, and his heart began to break because where there once set altars and prayer benches now set money changers and exchanging of goods and once where there used to be people sitting on pews and places of, 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 of rest so they could hear the words of the Lord now they're selling it off like it's some old dilapidated building and Jesus walked in and he began to overthrow the tables and he began to set the doves free and he began to untie the goats and the cattle and when he got when he had his belly full and he took the whip and he, he opened all that stuff he said my house shall still be called a house of prayer I'm telling you more than our singing more than our, our, our playing of instruments God did not call us to be a concert hall he did not call us to put on a production he didn't call us to give everybody some kind of country club atmosphere you pay your dues and we'll sing you happy and we'll make sure you get all the food you need God called his church not to be some kind of stardom or some kind of popular facility but he called us to be a place of prayer it doesn't matter how many lights are hanging or how many band is playing it matters how many souls are one for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Many have said Jesus' ministry predominantly centered on a ministry of prayer. Because everywhere Jesus went at some point, it seemed like in Scripture, he has found himself in a solitary place to say, okay, God, talk to me now. Speak to me. I tell you tonight, the greatest thing any man, woman, boy, or girl could ever do is to start their day with the Lord and end their day with the Lord. Before you even get up and have your bowl of fruity pebbles and take your hair rollers out and put your teeth in, the first thing you should do as soon as your eyes open up, even with the sleep that's in your eyes, and even though you can't even see because you've got to have bifocals to be able to see what the clock says right there beside you, as soon as you realize that, things are blurry, you should be able to say, Lord, I thank you. You woke me up this morning. I don't even know what today is going to bring, but God, I thank you. You got me through the night, and I'm living to see another day. And after you brush your teeth, and you comb your hair, and you go eat your breakfast, and you head off to work, you head off to whatever the day has to offer you, and you do the hustle and bustle of life, and throughout the day, the Bible says we're supposed to be continually praying and having a spirit of prayer in our hearts. But I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is when you take the teeth back out, and you take the glasses back off, and you make sure that you can't see again when you turn all the light switches off before the, the sandman comes and brings you a dream. The first thing you should do is before all that happens is say, God, you got me through the day and I just want to commit my ways back to you. If there's any error in me or any wrongdoing, you make sure that it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. But I commit my ways to you and Lord, I ask that you protect me while I sleep. And I'm telling you some of the best sleep you'll ever have is while you're praying and you pray and just drift off to sleep because you were with God when it went when on. I'm telling you the best thing we can ever do is start the day and finish the day with the Lord on our side. A ministry of prayer. You see, most people focus a couple specific prayers in Jesus' ministry. Obviously, the Lord's Prayer is one. One is the Garden of Gethsemane, his prayer of anguish as he prays for the sin of the nation and the world. And he begs God to let the cup of iniquity and, and the cup of punishment and sin pass because it was unbearable for any human being to really feel like they could carry such weight and responsibility. But it all started long before then. All throughout Jesus' life, 
from place to place. There was the power of God working in him through prayer. I've heard people often say, I want the kind of anointing that brother so-and-so has. I want, to, I want to have the kind of peace that surpasses all human understanding. I want to have the joy of the Lord in my heart again. I, I want to have my, a talent and a ministry to, to be able to be used for the kingdom of God. I want, I'm telling you, people say that all the time. And our first question I always want to ask them is, how much do you pray about it? Because God doesn't, God doesn't need to anoint you if you don't talk to him to tell him. Because what will happen is once he anoints you, you'll think it's all about you. And it will become your show instead of his show. If he gives you the talent and the ability, if you're not careful, it'll make you popular and it'll make you. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. It'll make you stumble in the process because you weren't ready for the assignment because it was about you and not about him. See, many people will say that, but they're not men and women of prayer. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is getting ready to call his disciples. But before he calls his disciples in Luke chapter 6, I want to read to you what it says in verse number 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to a mountain to pray. And he stayed there all night. Boy, you can't even get people to come to church and pray for one hour. Much less ask them to stay all through the night and pray. Now we can stay up all night. Lord help me. At least I got to Wednesday to recover this. I might as well just go ahead and just dig a hole and go home, right? It's amazing to me how New Year's Eve rolls around. We can stay up to 2 o'clock in the morning, watch the New Year ring in, and shoot the fireworks and the bonfire. Now, if you do and your family do that, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't, give me, don't say, oh, Pastor, you're trying to condemn us. No. But I do think it's a problem when we can stay up that late. But throughout the rest of our time on earth or the weekday, when it comes time to do family devotion or pray at 9.30, we're like, I'm just so exhausted. I don't think, Pastor, I can do it. I'll, I'll have to do it tomorrow. Priorities. Priorities. See, Jesus went out to pray, prayed all night. So the first thing I want you to understand about prayer being the proper conduit is you should always be praying about the decisions you're getting ready to make. Jesus hasn't picked the 12 yet, y'all. Read the Bible. The 12 hadn't been chosen yet. It doesn't say, well, Jesus went out, picked 12 guys and said, oh, boy, what have I done? Let me go pray about this. This was a bad idea. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus went up to a mountain to pray and stayed there all night in prayer. And when it was daybreak, he called his disciples to himself. And those of those disciples, he chose 12 of them. There's people already following Jesus but Jesus is not ready to let so many people into his inner circle until he got confirmation from the Lord. There might be a lot of people that will follow you because of your talent and ability, but you don't need to let everybody be but so close to you because not everybody's good for you in your, in your life. Some people you need to be praying, God, is this a good idea? It's like the spirit of discernment. God, is this a good idea? See, what happens is there's a lot of people follow Jesus because he was doing miracles. I've often said to people that what is your gift will also be your greatest demise because your gift will not only complete you, but it also will deplete you. If you're a good mechanic, you're going to be inundated with cars and you ain't going to never see the light of day because everybody's going to bring a car and they're going to say, well, I, you know, you, you might even tell them, look, it'll be three or four weeks before I can get to it. I'm backed up. You know, if you're good enough, what people say, I'll wait because they trust them. But if you're sorry... You ain't got to worry about it. You're open all day week. Anybody can stop by the time they want to because you're sorry and nobody's going to use you. It's the same way spiritually. 
See, the reality of it is, Jesus was doing all kinds of stuff, and while he was doing stuff, people were all like, "Woo, I want to be close to him. But Jesus realized something. It doesn't matter how many people want to be close to him, but there is something to be said about how many people you let close to you. See, Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. But Jesus also knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. We don't always know that. So sometimes we got to pray, is brother so-and-so and sister so should they be in my inner circle? It's not that I can't be friendly. It's not that I can't shake their hand. It's not that I can't occasionally go out to dinner with them. But not everybody is good to be close to you in your life. Some people you need to know how to categorize. You're a friend. You're an acquaintance. You're just somebody I met as a random stranger on the side of the road. This is my inner circle. Everybody doesn't need to be intimate and personal with your life. See, Jesus prayed. And after he prayed, out of all those people following him, after he prayed, God said, now here's the 12. And he chose them. All night he prayed. He asked God for discretion. In Mark chapter 1, In verse 35, the Bible says this. Now in the morning, having risen long before daybreak, Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Mark 1, 35. You got to understand something about this one, though. In the scripture prior to it, in verse 29, one of his twelve illustrious men, a man by the name of Simon Peter, He wasn't really one of the shy ones in the crowd. He was pretty bold. He wasn't somebody, he wasn't one of those people like, oh, I'm, you know, he wasn't one of those, you know, uh, seen but never heard. He was more heard than he was seen oftentimes. Peter's obviously married because he comes to Jesus and says, my my mother-in-law's sick unto death. Now, I read that scripture not too long ago, and I began to think of two things. Neither one of these are biblical. These are just personal. I'm just going to tell you because I might as well confess so that the Lord is faithful and just to forgive me of my unrighteousness. So I'm going to confess. The first thing I thought, is he stupid? I've never met anybody going to be like, Lord, please heal the mother-in-law. Most people pray in the opposite prayer that I've met in life. Lord, I love her, but it's okay. She'll be all right. She's in your care. (laughs) You hear horror stories of that. The second thing I thought about is, the kind of relationship Peter had to have, whether, you know, you could say, well, maybe his wife was on his case about having to be helping her, her mama out and all that. I don't know. But the kind of relationship that it was so important to Peter that Peter would ask God, God, can you come by my way and heal my family? Can I tell you that the heartbeat of the church should be God? I may not always see eye to eye with them, and they may not always be, but they're still my family. Will you save my son? Will you save my daughter? Will you save my husband? Will you save my wife? Will you save my grandchildren? God, I know we don't always line up, but God, they're still my family. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. They're still family. God, can you come by my dwelling and heal my family? Jesus stops by, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. The news spreads out abroad that Jesus has healed this mother-in-law who is sick. In fact, once he took her by the hand, began to pray for her and speak life over her. The Bible said the fever left her. She got up and she cooked dinner. Maybe that's why Peter wanted him to pray for her. He was hungry. Maybe the wife didn't know how to cook, but mother-in-law was just a good cook in the kitchen. He's like, well, if Jesus heals her, we all win in this situation. We all get cube steak and gravy. Please, Jesus, heal this woman. I'm tired of eating ramen noodles every night. I don't know why, but she ministered to them, the Bible said. The news by verse 30 31, after that happens, by verse 32, the town people hear about it. And they say, hey, 
Everybody bring your sick and disenfranchised and bring them over to Peter's mama's mother-in-law's house. They bring all these sick and diseased. And the Bible said in verse 32, And that evening when the sun had set, the town brought to him all who were sick and who were demon-possessed. And the whole city gathered together at the door. What door? Peter's mother-in-law's house where Jesus is trying to eat dinner. You ever hate it when people interrupt your dinner? Look, I, well, I'm going to probably confess something, but probably I shouldn't. Brianna is uh, here. Nothing seems to annoy her more is when I just stop and talk to random people at the store. Drives her nuts. We'll see somebody at Walmart. She'll be ducking behind. She'll be standing there. All of a sudden, she's gone. I'll turn around. I'll speak to somebody. Turn around. She's over there hiding in the clothes. She's in between the rack. We're just peeking out through the dresses to see what I'm doing. She don't want to say She's just hiding from me. She's three aisles over. When it's all said and done, she's texting me and be like, I'll meet you at the car. Like, I don't even know she's out in the store. She's gone. So much for being a help me. You're not even there to help me in this moment. But all joking aside, people have come up. There have been times we've been out to dinner. We're sitting there. Somebody, a random stranger, walked by our table while we're eating dinner. And they'll stop. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? They just start telling their whole life story. And Brandon just keeps eating her, you know, country fried steak and gravy. Saint saying a word. I've stopped eating. We're at Cracker Barrel. I've stopped eating. I'm listening to them. Yeah, I'm praying for you. Yeah. They'll stand there about 15, 20 minutes. They'll walk off. I can see the change in the demeanor in her face. And the first question is, who was that? And then I have to answer the proverbial line that brings horror to my memory every time when I have to humbly admit, I don't know. <laughs> you mean we just wasted 20 minutes talking to Yes, honey, I'm so sorry. I don't know. Well, they said you were a pastor. Maybe God gave them intuition. I don't know. Well, they seem to know you. I don't care how many different ways you ask this question. I don't know them. If I saw them before, I forgot to ask them what, who they were. Well, why didn't you ask? Because I didn't want to know who they were either. I don't know. But sometimes when you're sitting down eating a meal, you don't want to be bothered. You just want to eat. Jesus is trying to eat. People bringing people out the woodworks. The Bible said because of his heart of compassion, Jesus was healing them and delivering them and setting them free. After a busy day of ministry, after a busy day of healing people, you would think Jesus would be like, all right, it's been a tough day. I'm tired. Boy, it was a long day. It was Sunday. Ooh, we had two services. We had a long service. It was busy. Man, I'm tired. I'm going to the house. I'm going to kick back in the lazy boy. I'm going to get me some snacks, and I'm going to turn the phone off. I'm going to let the associate pastor be on call tonight. I'm done for the day. I am tired. I'm sleeping in tomorrow. It's Monday. Don't call me. Don't tell the church secretary I'm unavailable for the day. But not Jesus. While everybody is still sleeping, Monday morning before daybreak, he gets up out of the chair. He gets up out of the bed. He goes and talks to the Lord. See, sometimes, not just pastors, but people in general, sometimes Sundays can be busy for folks. Or for some people that work full-time jobs, it might be Monday to Friday, just busy days. But while the wife is still sleeping in the bed, you might feel like it's Saturday morning and, Lord, it's been a busy week at the office. Or it might be Monday morning if you're in ministry and be like, man, it's been a busy Sunday. I just want to sleep in. There's something to be said that you leave the spouse, the wife laying there. You're, if you're, you're a woman in the building, you leave your husband there. And before daybreak, you just get up, sacrifice a little bit of sleep. Coffee or no coffee, you go to the drawing room or you go to the sunroom or you go to a study. And before even the sun comes up, you say, okay, God, it's quiet. The world's still sleeping. The world's kind of quieted down. You and I need to talk now. I need to 
and spend it with the Lord. Something to be said about taking that time with God. Jesus did he wasn't worried about the other things. He was worried about hearing the voice of the Lord because Jesus knew that on Monday there were going to be decisions that had to be made. And on Tuesday there was going to be a corporate executive meeting that he's going to have to give them an answer about a, pro, a, pro, a, a proposal that they make him or some kind of proposition they give him. And he knew on Wednesday he's going to go to the doctor and it's not going to be the report that he thought he was going to get. But he did, he's going to have to give some answers and direction on how they want to proceed moving forward. And on Thursday he's going to get a call that, that something is his wife's job or, or his job is maybe going to play out due to, to not enough uh, production happening and we're not sure that we can keep everybody on staff and they're going to close the plant and we're going to have to relocate or we're going to have to be unemployed and then Friday he might have to face that the children and grandchildren are coming over but one of them ends up getting hurt in a, in a, in a sporting event or gets a, gets a concussion or ends up in the ER. See sometimes we don't know what the day is going to bring but if we spend it with the Lord to start the day off he'll already go before us before we ever face what the day may bring in our life he prayed but on Mark 35 135 Jesus was also praying for direction okay God what's next not that Jesus was illiterate Jesus knew that he had already healed a bunch of people but there was another day dawning that meant there's going to be more people who needed something there were going to be more signs and wonders that need to be done you say well pastor how do you why do you say that how do you get that out of scripture watch what it says and verse 36 Jesus and those who were with him started looking for him they got up from sleeping. Jesus is not in the house anymore. Boy, that's a dangerous place to be when Jesus leaves the house. I could preach on that for a while. But I'll leave that alone. But I wonder how many times the church has slept through so long and we become a church of sleep and slumber. We've slept so long we didn't even realize Jesus left the house. And we're still trying to have church with him not in the building. Hello. He's not even in the house. They start searching for him. There's another There's another sermon in that too. That when you don't know where he's at, go look for him. Don't just sit there. Go find him. They search for him. When they find him, they say to him, everyone's been looking for you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mary shows up at 12-year-old Jesus in the temple and says, what have you been doing? Your father and I have been looking for you. People should know by now, don't ask stupid questions if you don't want him to respond. You mean, where have I been? I've been doing what I should be doing all along. How do you, you say, Pastor, how do you get that he was praying for direction? Well, look at what he says. They say, everybody's looking for you. Verse 38, Mark 1, he says, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also because this purpose I have come to earth. What Jesus is saying is if they want to come, they can come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. I'm not staying here because there's another town that needs to hear the gospel. There's another soul that needs to get saved. There's another family that is hurting. There's another individual. There's a 99 sheep that I got safe in the pen. But there's one out there dying and crying out for help. Jesus was saying, God, direct my steps the steps of a good man. And woman of the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your pathway known. There's something to be he said about spending time with the Lord because when you don't know what to do about the job or about the family or about the children or about the grandchildren or about the church there's something to be said God will direct you if you give it to God he will direct your path he will illuminate your eyes and he'll make sure he puts you on the right pathway to leads to life he'll give you direction he prayed Lord I need to know what do you want me to do in Luke 5 Jesus again comes to a moment of prayer Jesus had just cleansed in, Matt, in, in Luke 5 and verse 12 through 14 Jesus has healed a leopard 
There's a guy who's have leprosy, a flesh-eating disease. Jesus approaches him, and he basically said, the leper looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you're willing, I know you can make me well. What the leper is really saying is, God, I got faith. If you want to do this, I don't have to live in the same condition I've been living in. There's something to be said about when we get to a place in life that we realize we don't have to stay in the same condition we're in because God can get us out of the condition that we're in. The leper said, God, I know that everybody in town's talking about me. I know everybody in town's ruining my reputation. I know everybody in town's telling me I'm unclean and I'm unfit and I'm unworthy. I know everybody wants me to be an unclean and segregated and quarantined and defiled individual. But God, if you wanted to, you could rewrite my life story and I could be not having to live under that umbrella anymore. And Jesus said, I'm willing. You said, I'm, you said if I be willing, I can heal you. I'm willing. And when he touched him, immediately he was cleansed and made whole. He said, don't tell anybody, but go show yourself to the priest. Make an offering. However, the Bible says the report got out again. You can't keep a good thing under, under wraps for so long. You know the hardest thing I've learned is when you tell somebody something and say, now don't tell nobody. That's the toughest thing to do. I can't even tell you how. I mean, I just can't tell you. I mean... I, I'm getting in trouble for, for saying this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because, again, I, I don't have many friends, so it's okay. Um, I'm fasting, too, so maybe the Lord will send me some during this 21 days. I'll see. Maybe that will be on my list. But my uh, future mother-in-law, there's a joke in the house with her family. It didn't take me long to figure it out, but nobody wants to tell Brianna's mom anything if she has to keep it for a long time and not tell nobody because she can't do it. She, she just, she, 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 it's like, even when she says, well, I'm not supposed to tell. I remember one time, I don't even remember who it was that was telling her something, but they said, no, no, it was one of her children. Mom, you can't say nothing. Or whatever, and told her. Brian, I were at the house. And she said, I need to tell y'all something. Okay. And she said, now you can't tell him I told you. They told me not to tell you, but I got to tell somebody, so I'm going to tell you, so act surprised when they tell you, so don't let them know that I told you, but I gotta, I'm got i going to tell you anyway, and then she tells us what it was. So, the couple times that I bought different things, like Brandon's engagement ring or different things for Christmas, I specifically went to her mom, and I said, Miss Grant, I really need you not to tell this, but you need to know, I have to tell you ahead of time, but I really need you not to tell anything. And I remember when we were going to South Dakota and the trip, it was eating her life. We were driving in the car in South Dakota. She and Mr. Grant were up front, and we were in the back. She was texting me in the back. I mean, she's up front. I'm in the back seat. She's texting me like, what day is it going to be? I don't know how much longer I can handle this. And I'm like, I don't know. It's got to be the right place. And I've never been to South Dakota. I wanted to be the right place. She texts me the next day. Today, question mark. Every morning, today, question mark. Are you, do you have it with you? Question mark. I'm like, yes, but I don't know. And we're going back whether it was eating or alive. And I remember when we did it, she was like, thank God. I didn't know if I could do the whole trip without you not doing it. Because it was early on in the trip. She's like, I was, it was eating me alive. 
See, it's hard to keep a secret like when you're excited about that. The Bible says that Jesus said, don't tell nobody. But the man couldn't help himself. He had to go. The old song says, go and tell somebody what the Lord can do. Go and tell somebody how he brought you through, how he gave you victory and brought you through. Go and tell somebody what the Lord can do. After he got healed, Brother Carlsby, he couldn't help himself. He tried, but every time he passed by, he's like, they're saying, hey, unclean. He said, I'm not unclean anymore. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it to the very end. I'm not unclean. And he kept walking and talking, and everybody that passed by said hey you're a leper get back he said not anymore my sins are washed away my spots have been clean I am old things passed away but behold all things have become new I'm walking in newness of life and it spread around to everybody what was going on well when the word spread out everybody started showing up in Jesus again great multitudes came together trying to be healed again they're like hey go find him go find him see what Bible tells us is that not only does he give us prayers of direction and decision there are times in our lives when we talk about these things that God we have to pray about being dedicated men and women we can't just keep it to ourselves we got to tell somebody what God has done in our lives we got to be dedicated to the cause People come around, they wanted to be healed, they wanted to be touched by God, and he did. Second Chronicles 7.14, we quote all the time, If my people humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, heal their land. But we got to remember something. It's a conditional statement that I said this morning. We have to do something first before God responds. we got to remember who it is that does the miracles in our ministry. Who it is that draws the lost son or daughter home and saves them. Who it is that pours out the blessing. Who it is that's the author of revival. Who it is that makes the church grow physically, spiritually, numerically. Who it is that shows and shares his power. It is not by might nor by our power, but by the Spirit said the Lord of hosts. We cannot do it without the Lord on our side. We have to understand that God is with us. It's not about how strong I am, how incredible I am, or talented I am. The Apostle Paul told the church at Philippi, this is how you can know. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, not me, but through Christ who gives me strength. There are going to be some days I don't feel like getting up out of the bed, but it's Christ who's going to get me up out of that bed. There are going to be days that I'm not going to be operating at 99% oxygen on the, on the, on the, on the uh, uh, readers, but there are going to be times that God's going to put breath in my lungs and get me up out of that bed so I can keep going one more step. There are going to be times the doctor says I'm going to be on oxygen for a long period of time, but God's going to bring life and I'm going to get off the oxygen and walk after COVID with newness of life. There are going to be times that gout's going to come under, into play and I'm going to be struggling and I'm going to be praying, but God's going to bring healing in that same self-midnight hour when I need Him most. There are going to be times tears will stain my pillowcase and I'll feel like I'm in a state of depression and can't get up out of the bed but the sun will rise again for weeping may endure for the night but the joy of the Lord will come in the morning there are going to be times I'm going to be sick in body and sick in spirit and sick at heart but God has never let a broken and contrite spirit be despised but he's got it all in the palm of his hand and tears are a language God understands there are times if I stay true to God God will stay true to me draw nigh unto God and he draw nigh unto you if God be for me who can be against me I'm going to walk and talk with Jesus each and every day I'm going to put my hand in the hand of the man who still calms raging waters if I stay true to God God will stay true to me 
Because he's dedicated to me. Dedicated. In Luke 9, and I'm getting ready to close, Miss Carol. In Luke 9, Jesus, again, is found to be praying. In verse 18, the very first line, Luke 9, 18 says this. And it happened that as he was alone praying, his disciples joined him. Best thing we can ever do, about to do it tomorrow night in a prayer service, best thing we can do is we know the Bible says we have a great high priest that prays for us and with utterance and groanings, he'll pray unto the Father and he'll be the one who prays on our behalf even when we don't know what to pray. The best thing we can do is when Jesus is praying and talking to the Father, join him in talking to the Father. He said the disciples joined him. When they got to him, Brother Randy, he asked them a question. He said, who do men say that I am? What's the buzz going around town? What are people saying about me? Now, some people might misread that and think Jesus being narcissistic. He's just wanting, he's just trying to toot his own horn. That's not what he's doing. They said, well, some are calling you Elijah. Some are saying that you're John the Baptist or a prophet. You know why Jesus asked this question? Because sometimes we got to pray prayers to God and say, God, I'm determined to make it to the end. I don't care what the world says about you. I know what I say about you. Because he said, who do men say that I am? And they, he said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some of the prophets. You know what he says next? All right, who do you say that I am? I'm not worried about what the president calls me. I'm worried about what the church calls me. Hello? I'm not worried about what the mayor's calling me. I'm worried about what the people of God are calling me. The old Christmas, old Christmas song says this. The angels call him Yeshua. Mary called him Jesus. But I call him Lord. See, the reality of it is, Jesus didn't really care what the world was saying. He wanted to know what the church was saying about him. But the first part of that is the, is the climax of the story. Jesus was alone praying, and when they joined him in prayer, he spoke to them. The best way you're ever going to hear from God is when you pray so God can speak to you. Once they joined him, God spoke. You can't expect to hear from God if you never find time to join him and spend time with him. That's what prayer and fasting is about. He said, who do they say I am? See, I tell you tonight before we go out and proclaim, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. We better be prayed up. Jesus was prayed up before he asked the question. You say, why is that, preacher? Because I'm telling you that as soon as you make the prophetic declarance and utterance that you are Christ, the Son of the living God, you literally just told the devil that I, that is a perfect bullseye. Come after me next. You just signed up for the devil to come after you. Because the devil can't read your mind, contrary to popular belief. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's, omni, he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at the same time. He has different things, people and demons and imps that do his work, but he's not everywhere at the same time. He's not God. But he does hear. That's why a lot of times people, you hear people say all the time, 
that when you're in a situation, praise. Praise out loud. Say, thank you, Lord. I praise you. Because don't give the devil ammunition. That makes him mad. Don't give him ammunition. Don't make him, don't make him feel like he's winning. Praise your way right out of it. But as soon as you make the declaration, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, just know the devil is going to say, I got that. And I'm going to fix that. And he's coming after you. That's why prayer and fasting is hard. Jesus went to prayer, went to pray and fasting, led out in the wilderness by the Spirit of the Lord. The first thing the devil said is, Jesus, I know you're hungry. Why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? There are going to be days you're going to be sitting there, as I said this morning, comically speaking. There are going to be days about day two of this fast. You're going to be driving and forgot to put your air conditioning vent on circulation mode. And you're going to drive by a restaurant and it just happens that they're cooking fried chicken and black eyed peas and rice and gravy. And it's going to suck up into your vent system. And you're going to smell the flame broiled broiled, uh, uh, burgers uh, that you passed by. And you're going to be like, oh, God, I haven't had a good burger in a long time. You haven't ate burgers in six months. But all of a sudden you got a hankering for beef all of a sudden. The devil's going to try to stop it. He's going to try to tempt you. He's going to try to make it hard on you. But you've got to be determined. The old, old timers used to say, I'm more determined now ever than before to make it. I'm more determined to make it to heaven. I'm more determined. But finally, in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus reveals one of the most beautiful pictures you'll ever see in Scripture. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, verse 28 of Luke chapter 9. He took Peter, James, and John, and he went to a mountain. Anybody want to tell me what he said that he was doing? Luke 9, 28. Look it up. If you got your Bible there real quick, look it up. Luke 9, 28, and then we're going to be done. It came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, James, and John, went to a mountain to pray. While they're up on this mountain, Praying. Verse 29, as he prayed. Well, I can tell you right now, you ain't never been in a good service until you've let the Lord move and God speak for himself. We saw it this morning. We can pray all day long, but when God speaks, it changes the dynamic of the atmosphere in the room. It changes every time. There are men and women sitting under the sound of my voice. You've been in prayer meetings. Pastor didn't come lay his hand on you. Pastor didn't drop you in a floor. Somebody didn't seem you happy, but some of us sitting in this room have been in places where a prayer meeting was over and everybody else has left, but only you and God were left in the building. And he spoke to you in an audible voice. And he showed you things. And he revealed things. And he brought illumination and revelation to your eyes that even things that you weren't even cognitively thinking at the time and even from a skill set perspective couldn't even do. But with the help of the almighty hand of God, God revealed himself and showed you how mighty and how marvelous he is. And when he prayed, his appearance was altered and he radiated with beauty. Can I tell you that when we pray, God will give us full disclosure of himself. We'll see a side of God we've never seen before. It'll be like Moses when Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. And God said, you can't see my face and live. And he said, well, Lord, will you let me just see the backside of you? And God hit him in the cleft of the rock. But the Bible said that after he came off the mountain with God, that as soon as he got back into the flesh and got back around the people who were operating in the flesh, they said, you got to put a veil on because your face shines with the glory of God. And they couldn't look upon him. And only when Moses Moses would go into the temple, to the tabernacle, 
and spend time with God would he take the veil off. But when he was among the people, he had to wear the veil. I'm telling you, when you get alone with God, God will give you full disclosure of himself. And once you come out of that prayer closet, once you come out of that house, once you come out of that church service, the job's going to act different. The boss is going to see something different. The spouse is going to see something different. The children are going to know something's different because God's going to radiate from among you. He's going to disclose himself. Jesus said, stood there. It got so incredible, such a powerful service. Peter said, I don't even care about my mother-in-law anymore. Let's just stay here. She makes good cube steak and gravy. I know you healed her, but she'll be fine. The wife's down there. She'll take care of her. Let's just stay here. The Bible said, Peter said, let's build tabernacles. Let's build churches. Let's, let's stay here. with the. Let's just live here. It is good for us to be here. Let us make tabernacles, one for you, Moses and Elijah. Let's just stay in your presence. A cloud overshadowed them. And a voice uttered from among the cloud, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found there standing alone. They kept quiet and told no one of these things that they had seen. See, here's what I'm telling you. God reveals himself to you. You really have an encounter with God. You're not going to want to leave his presence. You'll push aside the plate. You'll push aside the social. You'll do whatever it takes because you and God have this little Work, relationship worked out and you're not going to want to leave his presence when it's with you you're not going to want to leave him you know how I can always tell when people are desperate enough for God because on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights they forget their watches they turn the cell phone off they don't care what Sunday lunch is at Little Pappy's or how many Baptist folks are already at Gilligan's eating hush puppies they're only worried about how long God's going to be in the house with them that day. Because that's all that matters to them. And when it's all said and done, when they get along with God, they don't ever want to leave His presence because there's something sweet and surreal about the presence of the Lord. This is my challenge to you before we pray tonight. Is your life wrapped up, encapsulated in the proper conduit? called prayer we want the spirit of the Lord to move in our church we want the spirit of the Lord to move in our families and in our homes but we got to make sure that the power source the live wires it's got to be protected it's got to be enclosed in, in, in the thing that keeps us from falling victimized to hell's fury is prayer because prayer will keep us safe he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide shadow of the almighty God will put you in his conduit and protect you just as a mother hen brings underneath her wings her brood so my heart longs for my children Jesus said that praying over the city of Jerusalem God will keep you safe if you commit yourself to him so for the next 21 days as we, we begin this journey of faith together fasting and prayer what is it you need God to do in the next 21 days it's not about a bartering chip it's not about trying to manipulate God but I will tell you that if you draw nigh to God he will
drawn nigh to you. Depends on how desperate. Are you willing to rise up early in the morning before daybreak and say, okay, God, this is the only quiet time I get. You and I need to talk. Are you willing to wait until all the kids go to bed and the wife goes to bed or the husband goes to bed and at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, sit in the chair and say, all right, God, TV's off. Let's talk. How desperate, how, how much does it mean to you to hear from God in 21 days? If you give God you, he'll disclose himself to you and you'll be a better person walk in newness of life and you'll see things differently and come January 30th when you walk in this building on January 30th and we celebrate together this 21 day fast you will be amazed at what God will do I believe that I know he's able as you stand all over the house this evening don't forget our services on Wednesday night Bible study on Wednesday night don't forget we'll be live in house but also online Please don't forget tomorrow night, tomorrow night, 7 p.m., we will have a prayer service. This is where we spend time with the Lord. It's not about a social hour. I'm not here to ask you how you're, I'm not saying we won't talk before or after. But from 7 until it's concluded, it's not about just hanging out. It's about getting alone with God and hearing from God. So I'm going to ask you, if you can make it, please come. If you can't, please Join us on Vine or on Facebook or YouTube, Santee Circle COG. Invite someone. This is not just for our church. I don't care if you bring your next door neighbor. You know what would be awesome? I'm going to be honest. It will be awesome. I don't don't care if they get saved on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, but if they come and want to get saved on Monday night, that's just as good as me as it was on Sunday. I don't care when they come. As long as they get, if they want to get spirit filled, I'm all right with them getting filled with the Holy Spirit on Monday rather than Sunday. I don't care how it happens as long as it happens. They want to give their life to Jesus Christ or they, they want to have a miracle. I don't care if God brings a miracle on Monday versus Wednesday as long as God's in the house. I don't care how he does it. Invite somebody. Tell them to come. Let's spend alone with God. Before we pray the benedictory prayer, can we say this together? Let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. For those online watching, I love you. I am praying for you. I wish you Godspeed. Hopefully you'll join us tomorrow night, or if you can't, at least online. And then we have Bible study on Wednesday night. I'm going to ask Brother Randy Ertzberger to pray our benedictory prayer immediately following this prayer of faith. You can consider yourselves dismissed. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. God bless you. Brother Randy, will you pray?